We, we are speaking, and I'm going to have a short introduction before Pastor Clearly is going to minister. Um, we're speaking on a topic, find your God-given passion. And perhaps you have faced or are facing an impossibility. A situation that others have said to you, it's impossible to solve. There's no solution for what you're going through right now. There's no jobs. The economy is down. Your health won't change. Your circumstances won't change. And you're standing before this impossibility. And you think, how will I, how will I be able to change this? It's in those times that you wish for somebody to step in to help you. I felt many, many times this, and I thank God for friends like Pastor Baba, Miss Tracy, and friends that stood with me. Because it was many desperate times, difficult times. When we were standing before my son, Julian, coming to America and wanting to study at ORU University. I mean, Doug, and we spoke on how many times, how did you do it? And Lindsay helped us. And we, we, we spoke to so many people, trusting that God will sovereignly provide a source. Our building for many, many years after my illness, we were standing in that building and trusting God. And I remember many times I felt like if I could just go and sit like Job sat down, covered my head with ashes, and cry before the Lord, maybe God will answer me. Maybe this, this building will be finished. But the thing I've learned is God is not moved by our need. God is moved by our faith. It's in those times that we are in difficult times, tough times, that God actually shows his muscles. He flexes his muscles toward the enemy, and he shows his power through you. And we're going to see over this weekend healings, miracles, changes. We didn't come here to entertain anybody. And we're not going to entertain the enemy. We came here to stir up a storm, a godly storm, a godly power that's going to be released in your lives. I'm trusting God as we speak and you have pain in your body, that pain will leave and healing will come. I'm trusting God you will get a text message while we're speaking of situations changing around you. It's by faith that we release it. I believe, and I've wrote it, is that when you're facing a mountain, when you're facing a giant, when you're facing an impossibility, you should actually be thankful that of all the people on earth, this situation was brought before you. God didn't cause it, but it was brought before you because God wants to show his power through your life. And it's actually a compliment from heaven that God said, I can trust you to slay this giant. I can trust you that this mountain will move through your faith in me. J.J. said it, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Luke 18, 27. You see, it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. This faith is not a Facebook status or a sports star with a gesture when it's scored a, scored a goal or an actor or an actress who say, God bless you. 
It's not a status. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of living a life of faith, trusting God. We sing these songs. We read the Bible. We have Christian sayings. But many times we are just nominal Christians. We don't really believe that there's power in prayer. We say, well, I'll pray for you. I will trust God with you. But in your mind, you don't think it's really going to change. I've got news for you today. That before your eyes, you're going to see miracles happening. God is going to meet your expectations. So if you've got a low expectation, that's what you're going to meet. But if you change your expectation to a heavenly expectation, you're going to see heaven come down to earth. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible. Say with me, impossible. You can say it in a Cajun way, a redneck way, English way, American way. doesn't matter. It's impossible. Say with me, impossible. It's impossible to please God. For he comes to God must believe that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. When we start to seek God, when we start to press in, when we start to dedicate our life daily to him, not religiously, not legalistically, but in such a way that I'm living this lifestyle of trusting God. God has placed me on earth to be a truster of God. That's why Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, now, now faith is the substance, it's the substance, it's, 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 a, it's a source of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I know some of you know these scriptures, some of you it's brand new. Uh, you, didn't, you thought it was sayings that people used to say. So what does faith do? Faith does the following in your life. It stretches your imagination, and it means that you will take initiative. And let me just share this, this two points quickly with you tonight. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now him, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, there's a power of God that works within you. And I believe that the power of God is working within you. is a power that resonates with your faith in a good God. If you're, again, if you have a low expectation of what God can do in your life, that power is going to work according to that. But I'm trusting God. What we are bringing here tonight to you is to see God move supernaturally. You see, it says, God says, I can surpass anything you can think of. You ain't seen nothing yet. Now, amazing, you think, I can think about things or dream about things. I can surpass this. In Genesis 15, we read about Abram being confronted with, with a big issue. Being called by faith to be the father of nations. And Abram found, found it very difficult to trust God. That's why I believe it's one of the miracles that we see is when we pray for people to get pregnant, it's one of those miracles, one of the first faith acts to trust God. I mean, you cannot make babies. There's just no ways you can make babies. I know some people told you you can make babies, you cannot make babies. You try and knit a baby together, it will be a mess, it will be a monster. It's a supernatural deal. But you can release words of faith. Abram's, the Bible says in Genesis 15, after these things, the word of God 
of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. I just love the way it just expresses. You need to have a word close to you. Romans 10, 8 says, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. So whatever your heart is full of, Jesus says, the mouth will speak in abundance. So whatever is in abundance in your heart. So if it's, it's a latest series on TV, the latest newspaper report, your friend's Facebook status, then you must realize out of that abundance you will start to speak. If the first thing in the morning you're confronted with is with your Facebook friend statuses and not with the Word of God, you must realize out of that abundance you will start to speak. You have to choose. Are you going to live this life of faith or are you just going to have a status? You just be infected with the gospel of Christ or you want to be saturated with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? And so the word of God came to him in a vision and saying, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said to the Lord, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, no One born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord again came to him. You see, you cannot fight a thought with a thought. You need to fight a thought with a word. When the enemy comes to lie to you, you cannot agree with that lie. You need to have a word of God inside of you. And have that word confront and say, I don't believe this. That's why I believe you need to have people around you that can confront you, to help you, to bring word of life to you. Because there's many times when you feel weak, when you feel overwhelmed with this giant, then you need other people who can speak life into you. So I want to remind you, no weapon against you will prosper. I will remind you of the promises of God. And so behold, the word of God came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, So shall the sinners be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. You see, when it's silly to other people, when the people are saying the economy is down, when people say your body is over, when people are saying this is a report from the doctor, when people are saying there's no, there's no future, it's in that midst where you remind yourself what is the promises of God. Many, many times I had to say this to my son and my son had to say this to me. He says, Dad, God wouldn't have brought us thus far and just leave us here. In January when I sent him, we had to pay... About $8,000 for the semester. He has a full, full scholarship for his studies. One out of 40,000 students got, got the scholarship. Two international students got the same scholarship. It's just a miracle of what God done, has done. And so, but in the midst of that, we still need to trust God for, to contribute towards that. Now, just to give you a picture, 
when we first started to dream about him coming, our currency was 8 to 1. It's now close to 13 to 1. And as I speak, it goes up. We've got a bit of a change in the president. You think you've got problems with your president? I see nothing. You haven't seen mine. I'm willing to exchange. Okay. I've got 13 times worse than you have. Okay. And so I had $10 and we raised $700 together. And he needed close to $7,000. It was the middle of the winter. Summer in South Africa, winter here. And he came on the plane and he had the word of God with him. And God sovereignly provided. Sovereignly provided. He's this semester sovereignly provided. And so we, when we think about the next semester, we say, thank you, Lord. You would not bring us this far. When I spoke to him earlier tonight, he said, Dad, I see. I will become, I will become president of the student body. I see it. It will become. And it's his word. So what is your dream? What is your stars? What are the things, not the newspaper stars, not the horoscope. What is the stars that you start to see? Sometimes you need to step out of your circumstances, step outside, and look up to the heavens. And you can't start to see God's promises, his things over you. God begins by stretching our imagination, by giving us a dream. A dream always starts with an idea, a thought, a thing that God drops into your heart. And it becomes bigger as you feed it. I believe what you can, what you can believe you can achieve. I want to show you a picture. Some of you have seen this picture before. Many years ago, when we started on campus and in our city, we were confronted with a, with a garbage dump like most of the poor cities are where people were eating from, in the most horrific circumstances. That caused our city to become so sick. And there were kids on this garbage dump. The people infected the rest of the city. And I, I became one of the counselors for the mayor, then mayor at that stage. And he was an agnostic Hindu. And so he didn't believe in any god. But he was a Hindu, whoever... 800 million gods that I have, but they didn't believe in any god. And uh, I spoke to him and said, Mr. Mayor, we have to close this thing. It's dangerous. It's causing our city to become ill. And he said, I agree with you, Willem. But he said to me, it's impossible. Now, I believe when you hear the word impossible, it's a clue from heaven that God wants to use you. When you hear the word impossible, it cannot be done, you just know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this moment. You created me for this very moment. I thank you, Jesus. It's my moment. I remember sitting at a table with him when I grabbed his hand. It says, now, Mr. Mayor, let's pray in the name of Jesus. He said, well, you know, I don't believe. I said, don't worry. And I grabbed his hand. I took his hand. and said, in the name of Jesus, garbage dump, close down. And get a secure place. A year after that, this is his pictures. Show them the next picture. It's not my pictures. It was his pictures. Show, go back. You see a little hill at the back. Go back to the it's winter and summer. It's his pictures, not mine. If God can move a garbage dump, 
God can move a business. God can move a sickness. God can move money. God can move things into and out of your life. If you trust God, if you can imagine it, because I'll start to see it. Get out from your circumstances. Get out from your medication. Get out from the things that you're feeling. This is what belongs to our families. This is how family is and supposed to be. I want to just leave this last thought with you tonight. You see, the Bible says, when you first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things that we need will be added to us. I love what the message says. It says, now steep your whole life into God's reality, God initiative, and God provision. Don't worry about missing out. You will find your everyday human concerns will be met. I don't have it on a projector, but it says in Colossians 3, 1, and the message says, so here's what I want you to do. Take your focus from the problems in front of you. Start to see things from his perspective. Romans 12.1 says, so here's what you need to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. You see, what we do is we place our Sundays, our God moments before God. Lord, I will worship you. And you walk out of a building with the same unbelief, with the same worries that you had before. This moments, these moments are supposed to give you a kickstart, give you ability to say, I trust in an absolute good God. Faith means to take initiative. I want to close with this story. A certain woman had a flow of bloody, blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. I just, when I read the scripture in Mark 5, it says she's actually suffered from the physicians. When we were ministering this week, I was ministering in Brusa campus. When I was ministering to people, I realized how many people got illnesses and sicknesses because of, of symptoms that they had. And that symptoms got them on certain medications. And medications called side effects, which got more medication to, call, to try and sort out that side effects. And now they have side effects on side effects. And it felt like they have familiar sicknesses. And then you, you start to speak and pray for families. You say, well, you need to pray for my sister. You need to pray for my brother. You need to pray for my, my son. And you start to see in the whole family, there's all these sicknesses. And it's not a generational curse. It's just familiar things. It starts to find buddies. You see, we have some of us need to block our friends, use Facebook terms. They're very abusive. Some of these sicknesses, we just need to block them. We don't want to be tagged with all these sicknesses. It's like, they, yeah, but, but our family is just problems with allergies, okay? And we have bad heart hearts. And we, our blood pressure, you know, as my uncle and my mom and everybody in our family, and sometimes you don't even have family, but just have neighbors, and you take their sickness as well. <laughs> sickness is not a blessing from the Lord. It's not something that God wants to teach you something. God doesn't use sickness to teach you something. He uses his 
overwhelming goodness to teach you that he's a great and awesome God. So it says, she suffered many things from many physicians. So, Lindsay, it doesn't mean you don't need to study to be a doctor, become a good doctor, spiritual, love God, love Jesus, don't give people nonsense, give them deliverance. And she had spent all that she had, so she was poor as well, and was so, was no better, and rather grew worse. She had 12 years suffered with this. When you read Luke chapter 8, you read the story that Jesus was on his way to Jairus' daughter who died. She was 12 years old. And then this woman who suffered for 12 years for sickness, because of many, many advice that she received, she suffered. Sick. But she touched Jesus and believed to be healed. And we see she's finally decided to take initiative. I believe by you giving your Friday night and giving yourself this weekend, you're actually taking initiative. So I'm going to take initiative. I'm not going to stay in this miserable circumstances. I'm not going to believe this is where I should stay. I'm going to move out from the circumstances, start to look at the stars, start to look at God's promises, and start to trust God for the supernatural to become natural. She wasn't able to stop the bleeding myself. It caused her to be an outcast. Some of you feel about your sicknesses and your problems you have, your financial problems. You feel like you're an outcast. You feel like you're always a person of problems. But I've got news for you. Start to use those problems and put it before the feet of Jesus. And so, Lord, give me the strength to fight this giant. Give me the ability to fight this thing. That this very thing must bow its knees before the living God. What the enemy caused for harm in my own life by causing me to be to have a flat line for 25 minutes became a platform for me to speak over the world. I didn't need it, but I have it. I've been dead. I'm alive. I've done that badge. I don't need it again. <laughs> you don't need this thing. The very sickness, the very problem that you have right now will become your platform of faith to speak from. Let's just pray, and I'm going to give over to Pastor Clearly. Lord, I thank you right now for faith to be arising in people's hearts. Lord, thank you for, for allowing us to trust you unconditionally. Lord, I pray that these giants will bow their knees before the living God. Lord, the word of God that's inside of us is greater than the word that's outside of us. All the news, the bad news, the things we're receiving. We pray, Lord, for supernatural healings happening right now, for circumstances changing. Lord, we thank you that you will send businesses, start things on our behalf and move through our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor Vellum. Come on, y'all give it up for Pastor Vellum. You know, God does do the impossible. You know, this, this past week I was on the phone with a lady from Florida, and some of the things I've been walking through, and she called me, and about two weeks ago uh, she got on the phone and she said, you know, my daughter, I was telling her what God's been doing in my life and my, my physical health, and everything and how God's been touching me and the miracles God's been working in my life. And she said, well, my daughter has colon cancer. 
And I said, well, you know what? We're going to pray, but we're not going to pray God touch her. We're going to pray God heals her. And, and two days ago, I'm calling because I needed to get some information to her. And, and she sees it's my phone, and she grabs She goes, Pastor McCann, I was just calling you. I go, what were you calling about? She said, my daughter went to the doctor yesterday. And he, she said, and not only did God touch her, but they went to go do surgery. They came in find the cancer. God healed her. And she said, and my other daughter hated that daughter. And God brought forgiveness, and now they're loving each other. And, and let me just say this. She goes, you my pastor now. <laughs> and she said, you need anything, baby? Miss Lisa got it for you. <laughs> Can I just tell you something? If you need anything, Jesus has it for you. He just does. And, you know, it's sometimes in our lives, God sends us people that are just gifts from God. Just gifts. I remember when I first got saved that my pastor, that, that Pastor Cletty led to the Lord, sent me to Waco, Texas for three weeks. I, just, I mean, I didn't know nothing. I just knew Jesus loved me, forgave me. And literally, he had a house there. It was called the Wine Gallery. And uh, I think someone donated the house for a dollar or something, Brother Keith. And, and that's where I stayed for three weeks. And let me just tell you something. They had guys there that just loved God. And when Brother Keith would come, I just loved him. And I remember just going to him, and he just loved me. And all going out through the ministry, different times, I would just come by. He'd give me a book. He'd encourage me. He'd give me a word, Bubba. And he just, and he's always just loved me. He's been my, he's my spiritual grandfather, but he's just been a, not only that, but he's just been a very mentor to my life. And I'm just telling you, he, if he tells you a story, he's not a lying preacher. You might not believe it. But can I tell you something? I've seen it. And this past, this past year, last May, I went to, to England with him and several other people. I don't know how many. We had 15, 20 people there from different parts. And Brother Keith's just spoken in their lives. And he's been going to England over 40-something years and just seeing God do great things there. And literally for 10 days that I was there, the most I slept, and this is not a lie, the most I slept was an hour. That's not a lie. I told Jamie, and Jamie, I just, we just sent him there. And, and literally, I said, man of God, how'd you do, man? One day, I just had to get away and go sleep, Pastor Bubba. I'm just, and he said, man of God. And, and, and I'm just telling you, and Jamie came back, just a different person, just being around Brother Keith. But you know what? I just, I want y'all to give honor where honors do. And I just want you to stand up and give a hand clap for my, one of my, the, my heroes in the faith. Brother Keith, come on up. But. Yeah. Young, sit down. Thank you. But, you know, he didn't just come by himself. His beautiful wife, Gay Nails, here. Just wave your hand, Gay Nail. That's all you need to do. And uh, Cameron, where are you at? Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, you don't have a choice. I'm calling you out. I told you, you wore them camouflage pants. I could find you. I'm a hunter. Come on, come on back. Come up to the front, son. Come on. He, he don't want to do this. I know his grandmother wants him to sit with it, her to sit, him to sit with her. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 
presence of God just dropped in here. Bellum has already preached the word, did a tremendous job. I can't add to that. What I do is I push the word out in front of me and then I hide behind it. It works. The spirit and the word always agree. You don't need another sermon. You've heard more truth already than you want to give account for when you stand before the judgment. What is happening today, we have a blending of, of not truth, but we have a blending of ideas and views. It's called syncretism. It's a spirit. What we've lost in the church is discernment. And there's a spirit of delusion and a spirit of deluding truth. Deluded truth will not set you free. Jesus is the truth, and he sets us free. But I'm finding this more and more that people do not realize the presence of God is already here. We just don't recognize him. I'm seeing people have encounters with God that are life-changing, transforming. People that maybe not even have been in, filled with the Spirit that, that can't really explain or give a biblical answer to what's going on in their life. Matter of fact, if you've got to give a biblical answer to everything that happens in your life, what you're doing is you're worshiping your own intellect. That's dangerous. I love being down here. I love being with Bubba and Tracy and the kids. Love watching them grow. It's painful sometimes to watch them grow. <clears throat> but I love watching my friends' children grow. We had an experience in England, and Jamie went with us, and I've asked him to come up and speak and just share for six minutes. You're, you don't know it, but you're already formatted and you've already been you've already been trained you know the culture has trained you you don't even know it you're not even aware of it Jamie's seen what I'm doing he's been a participant in it and I'm going to ask him to come up and speak for six minutes and just tell you of the encounters that he had in God on our trip I'll tell you one thing in all these years I've only had two or three people that would stay with me as I would minister to people through the night, sometimes till 4 o'clock in the morning. I used to believe that the greatest miracles didn't happen until after 11 o'clock. <laughs> but what you have in a lot of churches is a, you know, a tremendous problem. It's ADD. It's called attention deficit disorder. See, you're trained to hear a 30-minute message, and I mean, you've been raised in churches. You go, you, you listen. The minister does all the speaking. You're really not allowed to do a lot of thinking. 
If you're not a thinking Christian, the devil will make a monkey out of you, especially today. Look, the presence of God has dropped in here in a, an amazing way. He's closer to you than your next breath. Some of you are experiencing tremendous conviction. just hits you out of the clear blue. God began to just, like a teleprompter, show you things in your life that he's not pleased with. He never puts his finger on your past. That's the devil that does that. That's tormenting. That's a tormenting spirit. People are having encounters with God, and you can have an encounter with God in this room tonight. You came expecting. You know Jamie. He is fun to be around. I've had him stand with me and help me pray for people till they couldn't stand. Amen. Praise God. Just tell them what God did in your life. Well, the, the first morning he woke us up, it was one of the craziest wake-up calls ever had he walked in the room and he goes and i'm sleeping and he goes dear god boys people are dying and going to hell and you're in here sleeping and i jumped up out the bed and i was like oh my god what the heck just happened to me i started repenting lord i'm sorry for sleeping and i mean it just started right away and, and we had a great time and i i just honestly i went and i didn't know what in the world i was going for my pastor told me to go, and I just went. It was the wrong time for me to go. I just went. And I just, there's been something in me that's just wanted to be around Brother Keith for a long time. And I just went, and I kept my eyes on him the whole time. The reason I stood in line is because I just wanted to be there and just to be close to the presence of God that was with him. And I, we seen miracles the first night we ministered. This girl got out of the wheelchair and she was out of the wheelchair last time he was there, and something happened. The physicians messed her up, and she went back into the wheelchair again. And he prayed for her, and she came stomping down the aisle. I remember this. Just stomping down the aisle, and she started singing. And she was just like, the devil's under my feet. And she just, and she, I mean, she, this went on for like 20 minutes. And he told me today, he said, she's still walking. <laughs> and I just went, man, praise God. Seen people delivered, seen things happen I'd never seen before in my life. It was an amazing trip. We, one night we went to a, a, a Caribbean church. They start at 7 o'clock on Friday night, and they don't quit till 7 o'clock Saturday morning. Get you some of that. No joke. We get there about 11 o'clock. We walk in. They're, I mean, it's, the place is just it's going off. I'd never been to a bar that lively. I ain't going to lie to you. I was like, man, this is good, and I ain't even drinking. <laughs> and Brother Keith got up there, and, man, he started, he had him singing this Jamaican song. And I, I just, honestly, the whole trip, I sat there like this, just. I can't believe he said that. How does he get away with that? I could never do that. And I just, I just got something from Brother Keith that time. It was just, it just changed my life. It was just a simplicity of a relationship with God that I've never seen before. It wasn't doctrinal. It wasn't intellectual. It was just get up. The presence of God shows up and you walk in and God does incredible things. It was as simple as can be. 
And it was a great trip, and we've seen a lot of things happen. Seen a whole stage of young boys get called into the ministry to come up on stage, and just miracle after miracle. And then just the presence of God was so incredible and so good. I came back a changed man, and I just went, praise God. So anytime Pastor Bubba says you're going somewhere, I'm gone. Amen. Amen. You want me to keep going? Hallelujah. How many of you like to have an experience with God tonight? What you're experiencing right now is the presence of God. You've been in Catholic churches and Baptist churches and Pentecostal churches where it's dull and dead. Nothing deader than a Pentecostal or a charismatic church. Because they're supposed to be alive. They have a name that they're alive, but they're dead. This is living stillness. This is where the work starts. This is where that faith initiative takes hold. Every man of God, every woman of God has their own aura. This is not a how-to meeting. I've got a friend that's come with me, and we ate together the other day, and he has been real good to my grandson, Cameron, since he's been here in Louisiana. Cameron's been here a year. And he's been very, very good to him. We were eating lunch the day before yesterday. Yesterday. And he told us a story, and I said, I want you to come, and I want you to tell your story. What's even more amazing, this is where he was born. And I want him to come up here, this is Mr. Bryant Coons, and I want him to come up here and tell you something that happened to him that has changed his life. Sometimes we have to ask others about what's happened in our life. I have a friend that was the leading real estate salesman in Amarillo, Texas. To get to his home, he lived on an island in a lake, and he had to ride a boat across to his house at that island in the lake, that house that was on the island in the lake. He was sumptuously wealthy. And he had an encounter with God, and God spoke to him. He said, to the degree that you empty your hands, to that degree I will give you an anointing to set people free. What happened was so amazing. His name's Tony Poole. God sent him to the Philippines, but before he did, he came by our place because he was driving himself crazy. He would go into a meeting. And when he would get in a meeting, the presence of God would come. 
he would begin to move like this. He would just spin. And I don't mean just a little bit. I mean he would spin like this the whole service. I did that and got dizzy. <laughs> but he would spin and spin and spin and spin and spin and spin. And he came to me and he said, Cletty, can you help me? He said, I've asked people. I have no idea what's going on in my life. I said, oh, yeah, I can tell you. What God's doing, he's unwrapping the grave clothes off you just like they had to unwrap the grave clothes off Lazarus. If you've had addictions, I want you to know you can be alive and you can be walking around like this, paranoid. What are people going to think about me being alive? I've been dead. I stink. But now Lazarus comes out of that grave at the voice of Jesus. Lazarus, come forth. He came forth out of that grave because life spoke to him. How many of you understand that? But he was still in his grave clothes. I've dealt with people by the hundreds and the thousands. And I'm telling you that I've dealt with people that had grave clothes on. People ask me if I ever raised the dead. Well, I've seen some of that, but I preach to the dead every time I preach. So you're wondering, you're here, you've been set free. God's done a miracle in your life. You're really being hard on yourself. You're allowing the devil to come back and begin to put you on a guilt trip. You need to understand right now that what that is is grave clothes, that wrap of doubt, that wrap of fear, that wrap of, you know, unreasonable request. And, and God wants to unwrap you where you can be free indeed. Amen? Amen. And he's going to do that for somebody tonight. You're going to walk out of here. You're never going to have fear again. You're going to have the very opposite. The, the truth is that, you know, if we're discouraged, it's like the swing of a pendulum. If it swings all the way up to, to 11, it has to swing all the way back to the other side. And so you've had this fear. You've had this unbelief. You've had this questioning of God. You've had this sin in your life. You've had the bondage in your life. And what's going on is now you're dropping and you're going to another extreme and God is setting you free. And it's going to happen tonight. There's going to be a release tonight. When God saved me, he saved me. After I was saved, I had things in my life that I had to be set free from. And I was under condemnation to a degree that I can't even tell you how deep that condemnation was. I condemned myself because of the things that were in my life. Then one day I was driving home. I was an iron worker and I was driving home from a high steel job in Fort Worth, Texas. I pulled over to the side of the road and I just threw up my hands, stopped the car, threw up my hands and I began to sing, There is therefore now. No condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit of the living God. And from that time on, I never had condemnation another day. Some of you need to do that.
Right now, let's all raise our hand. And you go, there's, therefore, now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Brother Keith. Do I get six minutes also? or okay. yeah, Might need seven. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, I was born in Jennings. Grew up in Kinder. Matter of fact, as a child, we used to swim in the municipal pool here. Somebody must have found out that I swam in it because I see it's closed. Uh, I, I hope they're just going to refinish it. I don't know. Well, I'm a, I've got a business in, um, in East Texas, and um, a couple years ago, well, first, first, I guess five years ago, God had really um, shown me the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I grew up Catholic, you know, used to get popped on the head for, for, being quiet in, for not being quiet in church, and then I, then I became a Baptist, and... and uh, you don't raise your hands or anything over there. When I first started going to our Savior's Church in Lafayette, I'd do this. I'd just kind of keep it down by my waist. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'd heard about the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Uh, evidently, my faith level was not good. So God, God uh, saved my life literally in, in 2010. So he says, okay, now I'm going to show you how th- this power of the Holy Spirit really works. And one dramatic instance was about two years ago. Uh, I had this business in East Texas, and we needed a um, a brand uh, of equipment. And the the guy calls me, and he says, "Look, we're we're thinking about making you a dealer, but you've got to come to Hamilton, Ontario, and meet meet all the powers that be, and we're going to look at you to see if we even want you as a dealer." And uh, you know that's that's going to this can be a requirement. Well, uh, then there was a, a hurricane in the Atlantic Ocean headed for New York, headed straight for Canada. I didn't even know where Hamilton, Ontario was. I made a C in geology. Ge- not geology, <laughs> geography. <laughs> Can't even say it. <laughs> if I'd have been at all business, I'd have probably made a C in geology too. I don't know. But I didn't know where Hamilton, Ontario was, so I told a friend of mine, Tim Barfield, uh, I said, there's no way I'm going to Canada. You know, these guys are either going to like me or they're not. I'm not going to Canada. Didn't take time to pray about it or consider that God might have a plan for this whole thing. And uh, you'd you'd think that I would have learned after uh, my experience, uh, you know, five years ago, my near-death experience. So... So uh, I, I tell them, nope, I'm not going. Do what you want to do. And uh, I go to California, and my son-in-law and I are driving. And right at dusk, we're driving uh, up to a place I've got over there, and uh, just barely, barely light. You can barely see. And we're going up the road, and, and uh, this old beat-up car comes right on our rear bumper, and he starts flashing his lights. And I'm thinking, you know, this guy's got to be drunk or on drugs or something. I started to get irritated. My son-in-law is, he's about 275. He's a pretty big boy. So I, I, I was going to just turn him loose on him, I guess. I don't know. 
So I stopped and I rolled down my window and I'm ready to give this guy what for. He pulls around and he says, uh, I've got a message for you. And I said, oh, really? He says, yeah. He says, let me get this in the back of my car. Well, this old car, the back seat was filled with old clothes and boxes. And he starts digging around there and clothes are flying. And I told Eric, my son-in-law, I said, this guy could be pulling a gun out or something. I said, we better get out of here. So I said, hey, pal. I said, look, we got to go. He said, no, no, here it is. And he brings this old piece of paper. And he gives it to me, and I can't see it because it's dark. So I gave it to Eric, and I just want to get out of there. So we, I said, look, thanks a lot. I take off, go up to the place. Uh, and we get there, and, and I look at this old copy of a paper, and it's highlighted in... Uh, yellow highlight and it, it, it talks about this uh, Reverend uh, Rodney Brown who I'd never heard of come to find out he's a prophetic uh, evangelist I guess from South Africa I think yeah well I didn't really you know I don't know a whole lot about those guys and uh, so you know I'm looking at it and I, and I go straight to the highlighted area and it says uh, that, that he had prophesied that there's going to be a tremendous revival that's going to start in Hamilton, Ontario. <laughs> so, you know, I immediately, you know, get goosebumps. And it goes on and it talks about where this is going. It's going to go across Canada, down the, the coast, the California coast. And it, had, it was about two paragraphs, and it just, uh, you know, Hamilton, Ontario kept jumping out at me. I mean, I had literally told this guy the previous day, there's no way I'm going. So I said, you know, I don't know about this, you know. This is strange. What is this? So I called my pastor, Pastor Jacob, and I said, who's this guy? I didn't, couldn't even remember his name. Uh, uh, he says, oh, very well known. Very, he said, look him up on YouTube. He said, listen to his sermon. So I did that, and a very remarkable guy, uh, Rodney Brown. Listened to his, his sermon, and he's, he's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, things that, that uh, I'd really never heard. He talked about laughing in the Spirit. I'd never heard of that. I don't know. Never had. And I mean, I like to laugh, but but laughing in the spirit, I'm thinking, yeah, are you sure you know this guy? <laughs> so this is so unusual for me. I go to bed that night and I really pray, and uh, I say, God, you know, show show me what you're trying to do here. You know, I'm a I need a little more direction. <clears throat> so um, the next morning, I wake up about well at daylight. I just wake up. And I start praying again. You know, I don't want to go to Canada. She, she, tell me something. There's a hurricane out there. And uh, so I, I, I'm praying harder than I've ever prayed before. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit like I'd never felt before. And I thought I was crying, but I was laughing. <laughs> and I was laughing, and I was uncontrollably laughing. My son-in-law in the next... Bed, you know, in the bedroom next to me, he's thinking I'm messing with him <laughs> or I'm going crazy. 
and I just laugh for 15 minutes, I guess. Never, never did that. Not, not, not that way, anyway. So I get up, and I tell my son-in-law, I said, Whip, it looks like I'm going to Canada. <laughs> and uh, so I called Tim Barfield, who's a respectable guy. I mean, he's, uh, uh, he was president of a, a global corporation now. He's actually, um, I think, Secretary of the Department of Labor in Louisiana. You know, pretty credible guy. And I said, I'm not telling that guy the story. But he, he agreed to come with me to Canada. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, God is sending me there. I'm probably going to see some great miracle or something, you know. And uh, so I go there thinking out of obedience. I'm going to go, you know, God's pretty much sent somebody, you know, track me across to California to give me this message. I'm going to show up, see what happens. So we go to this business meeting and uh, meet with the, with the president of the company about this, uh, this uh, brand of equipment. And uh, we talk, and we were trying to close this deal within a couple of weeks. <clears throat> and he says, well, he says, you know, it's going to take us two or three months to check you out. We've never, ever done anything uh, that fast. Uh, it's going to take several months. Well, that, I knew in my mind that was going to probably kill the deal. So the next morning we get up, and they were, they were going to take us to the airport, and they took us to breakfast. And uh, immediately he said, you know, he says, I have an announcement. He says, we've never done this in the history of our company, but we're going to go ahead and okay you as a dealer. And, you know, from a business standpoint, I thought, wait, that's great. But I realized later had nothing to do with that. God was showing me the his power. You see, what he can do. Had I not gone there, these guys would have said, this guy didn't even show up, you know. And, and also it shows that, hey, this business I've had is not mine, it's God's. Okay? But... <clears throat> And I, uh, I was talking with, with uh, Brother Keith at lunch yesterday and told him this story. And uh, I'm a babe in the woods. I, I'm just now experiencing these supernatural things that God has provide, provided. And it's a shame that I have not taken advantage of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know? All we have to do is call on him. And, and why don't we do that? Why don't I do that? But I'm excited to see what God is going to do tonight. And I thank you for listening. No, my books or whatever I got here.
Mm. Let me tell you what I got written up here. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I never watched one episode of Cosby. I never watched one episode of Seinfeld. I never watched one episode of a lot of stuff that the world watches. Just never had an interest in it. A lot of people don't even know what yada, yada means. It's a Hebrew word that means I know, I know, I know. And if you say you know when you don't know, you'll never know. Say, if I say I know when I don't know, I'll never know. Mr. Bryant just shared with us an experience that he had. He wasn't seeking it. He was just obeying God. You know, there are people in the Bible that God had to chase them down. Do you remember that uh, Cornelius' house had a visitation from God? They had to chase Peter down. I was over in England one time preaching. Everybody stand a second and just change your position. You go like this, rub the, get the blood moving. You go like this, go hallelujah, praise the Lord, sit down, Amen. Here's what happened. This is very interesting. This is something that we all need to understand. I was over in England and I was on my way to a meeting and I, I had a headache, I had a grandma headache. You ever get one of those? And I was gonna preach. When we got there, witches were in the building. They were witching the service all. They were gonna shut us down. Power of God shut them down. I walked up to one little lady who was about probably close to 90, and I said, sweetheart, are you hungry? Are you hungry for God? She looked up at me, a little bony thing, a little English. She said, hungry, messed up. I'm famished. Being famished is more than being hungry. Here she is, just one step from eternity, and she's famished for God. She's hungry for God. On the way there, I said, Lord, what would you have me preach? He said, I want you to talk about Cornelius' house. I want you to talk about Peter on the rooftop. I want you to talk about the vision he had. And I want you to tell them they have had no vision that's what I want you to tell them. I want you to walk in that building and tell them they've had no vision. Number two, I want you to tell them that uh, there's not anybody knocking at their door. In other words, just like he said, there was a visitation and someone came in and said, you know, you, you need to come with us. And so we have got in the church today people because of their backgrounds and denominations and we come from all kind of different places and we all intersect at a place called hope. And we wonder what this means, find your God-given passion. 
I was in England. A lady had told me, Cleddy, you've got to meet Johnny Kench, who's been here. You've got to meet Johnny Kench. You've got to meet Johnny Kench. I've known her since she was a young woman. I talked her out of marrying one guy that she was getting ready to marry and run her life. And and uh, it turned out she married another guy, and they're the most prolific publishers of Christian material today in all of Great Britain. It's an f- amazing story. And so what happened was is that this... This lady was telling me she's a magistrate. That's like a, a judge, justice of peace. She sits on a, a board and they make decisions about criminal action in their cities. And she said, she said, you've got to meet Johnny Kent. She was driving me crazy. So why don't I want to meet Johnny Kent? So because he's gone into a coffee houses, cost of coffee houses, and he started this just four years ago and said now they've had something like 500,000 people come through the coffee houses for what they call Sunday Night Live. So I'm sitting at this table in a Costa coffee shop and she's sitting looking toward the, the garden, you know, the, the water closets, the restrooms. And she, she was looking over my shoulder and said, there he is now! And she'd been telling me this for an hour and a half, ever since we got up, ate breakfast, went to town for her to do some banking. She, she'd be like a niece to me. I mean, she'd just really just driving this home. There he is now. I believe that's him. She'd only met him one time. He came walking by and she said, Johnny. He didn't recognize her. She, she told him who she was. And he was standing at the table like this. And as he stood there, the Spirit of God fell on him. She started crying. He started crying in this public, you know, place in a coffee house that had probably 60 or 70 people. And he's standing there, a grown man crying. And while he was weeping, God spoke to me and said, I want you to do a follow your God-given conference. I want you to do three of them across Great Britain. I want you to do two in the place where they know you so well. I want you to do one in London. I want it to be an ethnic community. Bubba's been with us on those, and, and of course, Jamie has gone with us and seen the result of it. And he said, I want you to call them, follow your God-given passion. Now, I've never heard that terminology, terminology before, follow your God-given passion. So what are you telling me? I'm telling you that you can hear the voice of God. I'm telling you, you can hear the voice of God. I'm telling you, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. I'm telling you, he heard the voice of God. Somebody had to chase him down, just like Cornelius had to send those to, you know, Simon's house, knock on the door and say, "Is, is there somebody here named Peter? They're knocking at the door. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And for some reason, I, I have a, a feeling that I need to do this tonight. I wouldn't usually do it because the presence of God is far more on you right now than you realize. Something is getting ready to happen to some of you just around the corner. Something is going to take in place in your life just, just beyond what you know. Just like going through a door, boom, it happens and you've never had it happen before. And it's going to be an awakening for you as an individual 
See, what God asks us to do never ends with what God asks us to do, just like with Mr. Bryant. Today, your life may seem so normal. How many of you feel like your life is just so normal? I wrote this down just around the corner. Something's going to happen to OSC in Jennings. Something's going to happen to OSC in your branch churches. You don't know what it is because it's yet to unfold. It's like everybody right now in the world that's Christian has got a churning on the inside of them. Did you know that over in the book of Job, he said, there's a churning on the inside of me that never stops. There's a churning, folks, inside the church. Say, there's a churning on the inside of me. You don't know what it is. You don't know what it's about. But you know that there's something stirring on the inside of you. And it doesn't happen to have to do necessarily with what you're seeing on the news. It's just something is going on of the Spirit of God. His Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit. Just as he bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And I want you to understand that he can bear, his spirit can bear witness with your spirit now. God is constant. And God is creative. But life has sucked the creativity right out of some of you. Some of you that are 22 and 23 years old, life has sucked the very creativity of God out of your life. And I, I, I don't know why I've done this. I've never done this before. But as I was praying this afternoon, the Lord said, Hear ye! Hear ye! Hear ye! In other words, don't walk out of this building tonight and say, Well, I didn't get a thing out of it. Mr. Bryant can just have somebody chase him down in Northern California on a country road and, you know, just go plundering through a garbage dump of, uh, you know, the back of a car and pull out a piece of paper and give him a thing that's got Hamilton, Ohio written on it or Hamilton, Ontario written on it. And God can take you to faces and spaces and places that you've never been. I believe it's the will of God for Bubba to travel like he has. God's taking him to faces and places and spaces that he's never been. The moment that I said that and some of the young people in this room, there was a missionary call that came in you. All I had to do is say, God's going to take you to faces, places, and spaces where you've never been. And something released on the inside of you. I thought about this and I thought, what's God looking for? What is God looking for right now? What if I told you he's looking for a virgin? God's looking for a virgin. God's looking for people that are pure. He's not looking for people that are going to church, shacking up, living together, won't think enough of the Word of God or one another to make a covenant of marriage. God's not going to move through people like that. He's going to find some young man, some young woman that have kept themselves to God. 
had a woman come to me just recently and she said as she stretched herself out before God and was asking for God to help her she said I was taken advantage of by someone and now I have STDs and the young people don't understand what that is but you do and I thought what is happening is the world is out to violate good people Hell is out to violate you. It doesn't want to. It doesn't want to kill you necessarily. It just wants to wound you. It wants you to live with that wound in your heart. It wants you to live with that constant failure before yourself, like David, when he said, "My sin is ever present before me." We had these follow your God-given passion conferences. A guy picked me up to carry me from Peterborough, England, to. London one night happened to be a Zambian pastor. That was that connection like what you talked about. I'm going to tell you right now what God is going to do. He's going to use some walk-ons in this hour. You know what a walk-on is? All of you love the saints. You weren't too happy with them last night, but you'll endure. But a walk-on is somebody that really nobody expected to do anything at the last minute walked on the team. Just a walk-on. God is going to use walk-on. There's going to be churches that are going to be like walk-ons. And they're going to be in the battle and God is going to use them. And those that have forgiven much, loved much, and healed people, heal people. That's the reason when he talks faith and talks about healing is because he had Jillian Barr and God raised him from the dead. And so it's expected that he would lay hands on you and that you would recover because he knows the power and the anointing of the healing of God. What God is looking for is that which he has on my, his mind. Heaven needs someone to give birth through. Said heaven needs someone to give birth through. So he comes to this teenage girl and he tells her, Mary. And all of a sudden she begins to shake from head to toe. So, well, that's a bit emotional. I'm telling you, I've seen people shake from head to toe. I've seen those people that have shaken from head to toe go and change nations for God. I have seen them under the power of God, and they weren't left just with an experience. They were left with God that gave them an experience just like he had when he laughed and he cried. I'm surprised that you didn't respond better to what the Spirit of the Lord released into this house when he began to speak. I'm telling you, the presence of God is coming here not to just speak to your head. I don't talk to people's heads. I talk to people's hearts. And it's time that we begin to open our hearts and we begin to say, oh, God, whatever you want of me, I want to be a part of building what God wants to build in this part and in this parish. I want to be used of God. She shook from head to toe and said, how can this thing be that I'm going to give birth to a son seeing I know not a man? I'm telling you, God wants to shake you from the top. He wants to shake you till your false teeth fall out. Amen. (laughs) He wants to shake us. 
But we're so rigid and staunch and set. We, we don't understand. He doesn't understand. He told me yesterday at lunch, you know, what was that? It started out, she was so innocent. I'm telling you right now, you, you've lost your innocence. You've lost your spiritual innocence. God spoke to someone who had innocence. God wants to speak to people. I love babies. I love them more than anything else. I love to be around them. I love my grandbabies. I love them when they're little. I love them when I can hold them in my hands. You know why I love them? You know, I love to dedicate babies. I do it all the time. I've been doing it for 54 years. Why do I love babies? Because they have no past. And God wants to make you like a babe in Christ and you desire the sincere milk of the word. What some of you have done, you've allowed the devil to steal your innocence. He wants to give you your innocence back. And that comes through forgiveness. I want you to make a special note. The same angel that spoke to Mary spoke to Zechariah. Zechariah reminds me of the religious people in this hour. Arms folded, same angel, same Holy Ghost. They chuckle at what is said. They chuckle at the promise. When they can be like Sarah who laughed out loud. And the Lord said, you laughed and said, oh, I didn't laugh. Said, you laughed. And said, you're going to have a baby at old age. I believe what's happening right now, and you played football, in the last few minutes of the game, you've got to hurry up offense. And what's happening right now is we need a hurry-up offense. And we need a wind-aided 100-yard dash. I have lived a wind-aided life all of my experience. I have been driven by the Spirit of God. The wind blows behind me. And I may be running like it's somebody else's walk, but when the wind of the Holy Ghost catches me, it begins to carry me, and I move a lot faster. What God is going to do, I sense it. He's going to blow through this place. He's going to blow through these lives of these pastors. He's going to blow in the Spirit of God, and He's going to change all day long. I've been thinking about this church being a thousand, having, you know, 10%, 15% of this community that goes to this church. That's what's been in my spirit all day long. But you're not going to be able to sit there like a bump on a log and you're not going to be able to do things like you've been doing them. You're going to have to begin to smile at people. If your neighbor's sick in the hospital, you get to them first before the pastor does or the priest or whoever it was. Oh, we're just praying for you. We love you. Why would we come here and have a prayer meeting and then not have a faith initiative that begins to move us forward in what God has called us to be? It doesn't make sense. We had a prayer meeting. We got to get activated. We got to move. You got to move. You got to move. You got to move. You got to move. 
Oh, when the Lord gets ready, you've got to move, you've got to move, you've got to move. Oh, King David, neath the mulberry tree, he did not worry about the enemy. For when the Lord got ready, he had to move, he had to move, he had to move. I feel this thing moving tonight. My God in heaven, help me. I said, I feel what God is doing in your life, moving. God's getting ready to throw the nitro of the presence of God into your life. Amen. God's calling in an audible. The Lord spoke to me and said, tell them this tonight. This is a Pentecost spring that the church is in. I've seen many, many people receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit with evidence and speaking in tongues lately. And this is a Pentecost spring. And the Lord spoke to me that to write this down. It's been in my spirit for two or three days. You can be in a new season and still continue to live in the past. The children of Israel were in a new season, but they continued to live in the past. I'm telling you, they're good people. They love this church, love what God's doing. But God has brought you into a new season, Pastor Bubba. virgin girl that we all love like we read in the book of Luke she said be it unto me according to your word it's the churches that are going to line up with the word in the last days that are going to experience the power of God hallelujah Now the presence of God is here. I didn't even think I was going to get a, be able to speak tonight. Because God has already taken your hearts and pulled on them. Wow. said, why in the world did he laugh? He thought he was crying. He was laughing. He thought maybe he was losing his mind. He thought the same thing on the day of Pentecost. Why does laughing offend us? I'm a friend with Rodney Howard Brown. I also on a board of Church Growth International. I'm the vice president of it, which is American leg of a Yonggi Cho's church in Korea. It's an amazing thing. See, if you follow God, God will take you places. Before he died, I was on Brother Shambach's board. 
I got to be around him, spend time with him. That was no accident. Nobody can spot his life. Why was he crying? He thought and he was laughing. Because of the joy of the Lord is the strength of his people. It's a new season. It's a new day. A new anointing is coming your way. This lady's got her legs crossed back here. Come up here a second. No, the young lady beside you. Now you. No, the lady right there. I, I must be cross-eyed. Go back and sit down. <laughs> no, her. The one on your left. That lady right there. She still got her legs crossed. Come here. Where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? You don't. What if God took all your tears and used them to wash his feet? The woman that was really a worldly woman had a tear bottle, and she would catch the tears in her eyes. We think she just cried on Jesus' feet. She was modest like you, sweetheart. You didn't want to come up here. Okay? But when she washed his feet, you know that story about the woman that washed Jesus' feet with her tears? That's in the Bible. She didn't come up in front of him. She came behind him. She was so humble. That's what's going on in your life. There's a humility in you. But she washed his feet with her tears. And weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning. She took every, she took every memory, she took every pain, she took every heartache. They all had little tear bottles and they would catch their tears. They didn't have Kleenex. They just had little tear bottles and they'd pour them out. She poured them out on his feet. They kept them. It was like a diary. They'd look at that tear bottle and they'd remember a lost child. They'd remember abuse of a man. They would remember the disappointment, the shame. That's what would happen. But Jesus made her feel like a woman again. He restored her self-respect. You know what it made the religious? It made them mad. He said, who does he think he is? If he really was Jesus, he, he would know what kind of woman that woman was. God's going to take your temper. And he's just going to take it out of you.
and where you've had to fight, fight, fight all your life, God's going to bring supernatural peace into your spirit. That sound good to you?